In 2 Kings chapter 20, in 2 Kings chapter 20, in verse number 1, the Bible says this. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. And he turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I walked before you in truth and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then Isaiah said, Take a cake of figs. And they took it and they laid it on the boil. And he recovered. I want you to notice how here we find from the Holy Spirit, a very interesting account in the life of King Hezekiah. Do you by any chance recall the story of King Hezekiah? Do you by any chance recall how King Hezekiah was one of the few faithful kings of Judah? He was one of the few kings who served the Lord. And avoided the sin of idolatry. He was a righteous man who put his trust in the Lord. In fact, his righteousness actually helped the kingdom of Judah avoid going into Assyrian captivity along with the northern kingdom of Israel. When you compare him to all the other kings in Israel, Hezekiah was indeed a good and faithful man. But I want you to notice how by this time in his life, the Bible says he has some problems. He has some very serious problems. The Bible says that Hezekiah is sick. He is ill. In fact, he is so ill that he's dying. He is on his deathbed. He is about to exit out of this life. The prophet Isaiah makes that very clear to him in verse number one of the text, right? Going back to verse number one of this text, notice how Isaiah the prophet comes to Hezekiah and he says to him that you're mortally ill. He says, for you shall die and not live. That was a promise that Isaiah made to him by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And for those who may be wondering what exactly is killing Hezekiah at this time, let me just say to you this morning that all I can tell you is what the Bible tells you. All I can tell you is, according to the text, Hezekiah is suffering from some kind of boil or painful sore. He is suffering from a painful sore that appears to be so bad that it is fatal. It is deadly. This is not your average boil. This boil is killing Hezekiah. It is causing him to suffer to the point of death. And Isaiah comes to him and he tells him that he needs to start preparing himself. 
He needs to start preparing to die. He needs to set his house in order. In other words, he needs to continue leading the people of Judah out of idolatry. He needed to continue being a good and faithful king because pretty soon he won't be king anymore. Pretty soon he won't be leading God's people. That is the message that Isaiah gave the king of Judah. And let's just be honest about it. That is certainly not the best message to hear. That is certainly not the most positive message for a king to hear. In fact, after hearing this message from a prophet of God, the scripture tells us that Hezekiah, he took it hard. He, he took it very hard. In fact, he took it so hard that he does two things after hearing this news. He weeps and he prays. He weeps and he prays. He weeps and he talks to God. Both of those actions were certainly appropriate, wouldn't you agree? In fact, maybe you've done those very things yourself when faced with a situation like this before. Maybe you've seen someone do these kinds of things when faced with a similar situation before. Maybe you've been in a hospital office with someone before. And the doctor walks into the room and he says, I'm sorry, but, but there's nothing else we can do. I'm sorry, but we have exhausted all of our options. You don't have much time. I'm sorry, but, but you're going to die. You're going to die. Maybe you've been with someone before. When a doctor came into the room and gave them that news, and maybe after hearing that news, the person that you were with who received it, they did exactly what Hezekiah did in that moment. They wept and they prayed. They wept and they talked to God. They wept and they begged God to help them. To do something, to intervene, to comfort them, to at least give them the strength to get through this grim moment. Hezekiah hears that he is dying. And he weeps. And he prays to God. And after praying to God, the Bible then tells us that he is heard. He is heard by God. We know that he is heard by God because the Bible says that after Isaiah told Hezekiah, that he was going to die before the prophet could even make it back to his house. God told him to go back to Hezekiah and tell him that he wasn't going to die. He wasn't going to pass away from this illness. Instead, he was going to live. He was going to survive. Going back to verse number five, notice how as Isaiah is leaving the presence of the king, as Isaiah is making his way back home, God comes to him and he tells him to go back to Hezekiah and tell Hezekiah, I changed my mind. You go back to Hezekiah and you tell him, I've, I've heard your prayers and I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayers and I've seen your tears. I heard your prayers. I heard you calling upon me. I heard you begging me. I saw you putting your trust in me. And guess what? I decided to do something in response to that. I decided to take some, some action. I decided to extend your life. In fact, I just won't extend your life for a few days. 
or a few weeks or even a few months. Instead, God told him, I'm going to extend your life for a few years. I'm going to extend your life for 15 years. I'm going to ensure that you are still the king of my people once I fully deliver them from their enemies, the Assyrians. Hezekiah is dying. He weeps and he prays. God hears his prayer and God promises to heal him. In fact, I want you to notice carefully how God decided to heal this man. I want you to notice how unlike the case of Naaman the Syrian, who was a leper, according to 2 Kings 5. And unlike the case of Peter's mother-in-law, who was very sick from a terrible fever in Mark chapter 1. And unlike the case when the Lord Jesus extended the life of Lazarus by raising him from the dead in John chapter 11. Unlike those cases, here on this occasion, God doesn't extend Hezekiah's life through the process of a miracle. God doesn't extend Hezekiah's life by doing some supernatural act. He doesn't tell Isaiah to go to Hezekiah and say a few words and then bam, the, the boy was going to go away. Instead, here on this occasion, God decides to heal Hezekiah just like he continues to, to heal a lot of people today. He does it through medicine. He does it through science. He does it through a common medical treatment of that day. The text says that Hezekiah was instructed to take a cake of figs and lay it over the boil. And when you look at verse number eight, verse eight says that over the course of three days, he was going to be healed. He was going to recover. He was going to get better just like God had promised. Hezekiah is dying. And he weeps and he prays. And he is heard and God heals him. God heals him through what was a common medical treatment of that time. That is what the Bible tells us about a very powerful moment in the life of one of the faithful kings of Judah. But here's the question. The question is, what can we learn from that? What can we learn from this story? What can we learn from this episode in the life of King Hezekiah? What I want to suggest that there are at least three lessons that we can learn from this story. And the first lesson that we can learn from this story has to do with problems. We learn about problems from this, from this account. We learn that even though we faithfully serve God, even though we love God, even though we worship God, even though we read our Bibles and we pray and we trust God and we live righteous lives that expose the sin and wickedness in this world, that doesn't mean we won't face problems. That doesn't mean we won't face trials. That doesn't mean that we're going to be immune from the sufferings that come from living in a world that, is clearly, that has clearly been contaminated and tarnished by sin. Jesus makes this point in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 45 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says that God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. In that same verse, he also says that Jesus causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. In that verse, the Lord is saying that sometimes bad things happen to good people and sometimes good things happen to bad people. 
Sometimes suffering and pain and agony happen to the people of God. Sometimes the people of God are going to suffer in this life. Someone says, what does that have to do with Hezekiah? Well, let me show you what that has to do with Hezekiah. Go back to 2 Kings. Look at chapter 18. Look at chapter 18 in verse number 1. In 2 Kings 18 in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now it came about in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abah, the daughter of Zechariah. Now look at verse 3. He did right. This man did right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that his father David had done, he removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until the days, until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushathon. Verse 5 says he trusted in the Lord the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him, for he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord God had commanded Moses. Notice how here we find a great summary from the Holy Spirit concerning the life of King Hezekiah. Do you see it? Remember, we made the point earlier. We made the point earlier. That among all the kings of Judah, there was none like Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a faithful man. He was a king who didn't lead Judah into more immersion, into idolatry, but instead he worked hard to lead them out of idolatry. He removed the places where idolatrous worship was being practiced. He cut down the Asherah. He even destroyed the bronze serpent that was used for miraculous healing in the days of Moses. He, he destroyed that because the people had started worshiping it. Hezekiah put his trust in the Lord. He clung to the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. He followed the Lord's commandments. And yet, just like Job, they were reading about in our Bible reading right now, Hezekiah also suffered. Hezekiah also went through pain. He went through trials. He even went through boils. He was a righteous man, but his righteousness did not immune him from struggles in this life. And the point I'm trying to make is we're not going to be any different. We can't expect anything different like Hezekiah as we continue to navigate our way through a world that is clearly not heaven. We got to understand that we're also going to face some problems. We're going to face some trials. We're going to face some very rough days. God never promised us that it would be otherwise. God never promised us that as Christians. We're going to be immune from job loss or financial setbacks, or the hardships that come with living in a U.S. economy that may start to suffer at some point. God never promised us that we would be immune from having struggles in our marriages, 
or problems with our kids and that we wouldn't get sick with things like cancer and diabetes and heart disease or COVID or any other kind of physical illnesses that, that plague this world. God never promised us that the days are always going to be sunny and full of roses. Sometimes, sometimes God's people have some serious problems. Sometimes they have some serious, serious struggles. We learn that. We learn that from Hezekiah. From Hezekiah, we see that even righteous people have some serious problems. But not only do we learn a lesson about problems from this text, a second lesson we also learn is a lesson about prayer. Oh, yes, we learn about prayer. And let me just ask you, do you pray? Do you pray every day, all throughout the day? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe in the power that comes with, with talking to God? Do you understand that, that talking to God through prayer is the avenue God has given you as a Christian to access his power in, in your life? You know somebody who really believed in the power of prayer? It was King Hezekiah. Hezekiah believed in prayer. Notice, notice how when he learned this terrible news from a prophet of God, when he learned that he was so sick that he was going to die, the first thing he did as the king was he prayed. As the king, he literally turned his face to the wall and he talked to God. He prayed to God. That's the first thing that the Bible says this man did. Hezekiah was a man of prayer. The question is, are you a person of prayer? Are you a man of prayer? Are you a woman of prayer? Whenever you're faced with some serious problem in your life, it's your first inclination to try to take matters into your own hands and, and tackle the problem by yourself, or it's your first inclination to do what Hezekiah did, to take the matter to God, to find somewhere to go and talk to God, pour your heart out to God, pour your heart out to the one who has the ability to help you unlike anybody else in your life. When you start going through stuff, do you try to handle that situation yourself first or do you talk to God first? I want to suggest that how you answer that question in your mind right now is very telling. It's very revealing. It actually reveals, it actually reveals whether or not you, you truly trust God. It actually reveals whether or not you truly have faith in God. You see, while it is true that God already knows what we need before we pray, while that is certainly true, prayer is something that we still need to be engaged in every single day, all throughout the day, because by doing that, we demonstrate something. We demonstrate dependence in God. We demonstrate an understanding that we need God. We demonstrate an understanding that we are not self-sufficient, but we need God. We need God all the time. You see, people who don't pray as they should are not doing that, not because they're so busy and they don't have enough time or they're just forgetful. No, people who don't pray as they should, the main reason why they fail to do that is because they really don't feel like they need God. They really don't feel like they need God in their lives all the time. People who pray constantly, they understand that. 
they understand what Paul says. In Philippians 4, you know the verses. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. What does Paul say? He says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and then you're going to get peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that comes to a person when they put their trust in God through prayer. And so we go to Peter also, what Peter says. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Therefore, as Christians, humble yourselves, humble yourselves, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxieties or your cares upon him, because he what? He cares for you. God cares for you. Now, let's get some psalms in on this. We're reading the psalms right now, too, aren't we? So let's go to Psalm 46. Let's go to Psalm 46. And we read the words of the psalmist in Psalm 46 and verse 1, where the psalmist says, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change. And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Do you believe what those verses say? Do you believe what all of these verses that we've made reference to, say, do you believe that God is your refuge and your strength? Do you believe that God knows you and he cares about your problems? Do you believe that instead of allowing anxiety to overcome you in this world, that God wants you to make your request known to, to him? God wants you to cast your cares upon him because he truly cares about you. Do you believe? Do you believe that? Do you have faith in that? Do you have faith that leads you to believe that God is powerful and that prayer works? My friends, if you really have faith in that, if you really believe in the power of God and in the power of prayer, then you know what's going to happen when you start facing problems in your life. You're going to do exactly what Hezekiah did. You're going to pray first. You're going to talk to God first. You're going to understand that the same God who helped Hezekiah all those years ago, he's also fully capable of helping you. He's also fully capable of hearing you. He's also fully capable of turning around difficult situations in your life. He is the same God today that he was then. From this story, we learn a lesson about problems. And we learn about prayer, but then a third lesson I want to leave you with is this. From this story, we also learn a lesson about providence. Oh, we learn about providence. Do you know how God works through providence? You know how God works through providence? I want to suggest that God working through providence is very different than him working through miracles. We understand how God works through miracles, right? We know that when God works through a miracle in the Bible, that means he's doing something supernatural. That means he's doing something that goes against natural law. He's doing something that supersedes the laws of nature. He's doing things like instantly giving sight to people born blind. He's doing things like instantly taking away leprosy. 
He is walking on water. He's calming terrible storms with just a few words. He's casting demons out of people. He's even raising the dead. You see, when God works through a miracle, it's pretty straightforward. It means he's doing something that supersedes the laws of nature. But we got to understand that when God works through providence, that's very different. Providence and miracles are not the same thing. Unlike miracles, when God works through providence, he's not working through supernatural means to accomplish his will. Instead, he's working through natural means. He's working through natural means. He's working through people. He's working through situations. He's working behind the scenes, behind the curtains. He is doing things in our lives that we're not even aware of. You see, unlike the period of miracles, which ceased after the gospel was fully revealed, according to 1 Corinthians 13, unlike the period of miracles, we got to understand that God continues to work through providence today. God continues to help his people today. God continues to heal his people providentially today. That is something that I really want to stress and emphasize to you because I got a fear. I fear that for so many of God's people in the Lord's church today, they believe that since God is no longer in the miracle business, then that means he's no longer in the healing business. They, they really believe, I, I, I fear, some of God's people, that since God is no longer in the miracle business, then that means he's no longer in the healing business. I have a fear that for so many of God's people, they walk around with that mentality, but nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing to, could be further from what the Bible actually teaches. You see, while it is true that we are living in a dispensation where the miracles have ceased, that doesn't mean that God is sitting on his throne doing nothing. That doesn't mean that God is not actively attending to the prayers of his people and even healing them of their afflictions if it is his will. I mean, if, if that wasn't the case, then why in the world have a sick list at all? Why in the world have a family talk this morning? Why in the world send out all these emails every single week requesting prayers for people who are sick and in the hospital and they're having surgeries and they need treatments? I mean, clearly, clearly we all agree in this place that God is still in the healing business today. The question is, do we understand how God is in the healing business today? Do we understand what it means for God to be in the healing business today? Do we understand that God is healing people today in the same way he healed Hezekiah? He's doing it providentially. He's doing it through natural means. He's doing it through doctors and nurses and treatments and medicine and a whole host of other medical advances that he has blessed us as the human race to achieve. That's how God heals providentially today. And I really want to ask you to always remember that, okay? I really want to ask you to be 100% sold on that because right now in this place, there are a lot of people in the spiritual family who are hurting. 
They're grieving. They're battling cancer. They have family members battling cancer. They're going through treatments. They're in and out of the hospital for various reasons. They're battling anxiety, forms of depression. They're going through all kinds of things that can weigh a person down and beat them down. If you don't believe me when I say that, then you just haven't been paying attention. You haven't been reading the family talk. You haven't been reading the emails. You haven't been going to the website to see what is going on. There are a lot of people in this place who need our prayers. They need us to have faith. They need us to really believe that God is on his throne. And if prayer works and he still can work out good things in the lives of his people providentially. Just like he did with King Hezekiah. From Hezekiah, we learn that God is powerful enough. To answer the prayers of his people. The question is, are you part of his people? Are you part of the people of God? Have you allowed God to heal you of the greatest disease that you ever can be that you ever could be infected with? And that is the disease of sin. If there's someone here this morning and you need that healing, that spiritual healing that comes from the blood of Jesus. We want to help you with that. We want to take your confession that you believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. And if you're willing to repent of your sins and obey the Lord's commandments to be or commandment to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, God will heal you spiritually this morning. He will wash away your sins by the blood of his son. Or maybe there's someone here who's a Christian and you need to repent and make things right with God because you have not been living right. God will heal you also. He will make you whole if you repent. So if there's someone here this morning who needs the spiritual healing that comes through Jesus. Come to the front right now and we'll help you. Let's stand. Let's sing.